Nothing will stand in our way. The only podcast that will finish what you started. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast, the only podcast that will finish what you started. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the host of said podcast, but I do not do it alone. No, sir. I'm, if you will, the solid snake. I embark on these missions, but I need support, and that support is offered through my Otacon, and my Otacon is Bo Schwartz. Bo, welcome. Why, hello there. Solid Crofton. You're not sounding nerdy enough. Remember Otacon's that, like, nerdy, oh, so anime-loving Hello there, so, uh, Solid Crofton. Uh, there we've, you... got the, we've got the missile banks ready to fire on Afghanistan. We just need you to press down on your controller and then up. And that will initiate the act of war explosions. But Otacon, can love truly bloom on the battlefield? Um, Love is a bullet, <laughs> as you once famously said, Solid Crofton, and a bullet shoots people. Speaking of bullets that shoot people, we're going to be shooting a sizable amount of gaming blah 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 into your brain this episode. Uh, we're going to do all our normal stuff, talk about the news, talk about the games we're playing, talk about a topic that we pre-selected for discussion, and give you some recommendations, all the regular stuff. But before we do any of this, Bo, mm -hmm. and I feel like I feel like I should give a disclaimer to people listening, although it's been, it's been a month or more than a month, um, so I feel like I don't need this disclaimer anymore, but I, I, I'm going to have to do it anyway. Bo and I are about to discuss Star Wars The Force Awakens. And uh, I know that's not video game related per se, but it is a huge pop culture event. Bo and I want to talk about it. So if you have not seen Star Wars The Force Awakens, first off, congratulations on living in a cave. Um, and <laughs> secondly, you may want to fast forward. I don't know how long. Uh, we will stop talking about it eventually, but uh, we've been waiting. Neither of us have even spoken about it outside of, you know, in re RL, as we call it, on the down low. Um, so this is our first uh, kick at the can. And I know it's a, it's a little late, but at this point, everybody should have seen Star Wars The Force Awakens. So, again, last warning. We are going to be talking spoilerifically about Star Wars The Force Awakens. If you have not seen it and want to remain unspoiled, you know, fast forward now uh, or come back and listen to this episode at a future date. All right. Yeah, I think I did a pretty clear job yep, there. It's well. a spoiler alert. We're talking Star Wars. And the reason we're doing it now is because we just tried to coordinate this and it didn't work out. Um, and what we'd like to do it just went on too long. Like the hype has died down somewhat for talking about this, but um, you know, we're not going to wait. We can't wait any longer. 
and we're going to speak about it. Yep. I so, think, okay, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's dive right in. This. Then we'll so, get to the normal show, but I want to, you know, because we waited so long, let's just get it out of the way off the top. Okay. But before we, before we talk about the movie proper, what is your, give me a bit of your personal background with star Wars before this movie. Like what, uh, what, what were you a big star Wars fan? Had you consumed a lot of star Wars stuff? Were you just like a trilogy purist? Um, uh, like a lot me. of people, you know, saw them, uh, was introduced to them as a child, had them on video, loved watching them. Like people in their thirties probably had a similar experience. Um, was never an overblown Star Wars nerd, but definitely always thought very highly of the movies, always very entertaining. They're great and iconic um, to a generation, at least to our generation, I'm sure. And when the prequels were announced, I was super stoked. I saw The Phantom Menace three times. Now, I am one of the people that will defend the prequels, um, the very unpopular opinion of the prequels, especially the first one, people like to take a giant shit on it, including the machete order to watch it, which completely excludes the Phantom Menace from the viewing. Uh, I think is, um, uh, uh, you know, I think it's travesty. I think that the prequels are decent. If you don't like the CG stuff, then I can't argue with you. It's not to say that you're wrong. I just, I think they're okay. Um, I've never been of the opinion that the Star Wars movies are, you know, you watch them for certain reasons. Like they're they're entertaining and fun and they have this great magical world that we get to be introduced to. So um, I've been a big fan of the prequels, although I do think the original trilogy is better. And um, I guess that's my history. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm... Like I'm similar, except for mostly hate the hating the prequels. Yeah. Um, but but aside from that, I'm I'm I I would say the thing about Star Wars is that um, first off, we're in a we're in an era of geek a smorgasbord of geek culture where, where we can watch you know Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, all our favorite superheroes, all these sort of crazy things are on screen now. But once upon a time. That didn't exist. The mm-hmm. only sort of science fiction or fantasy or fantasy really was um, was Star Wars, and it was really like uh, uh, something that captured my ima- imagination as a child. It also was one of the first marketing phenomenon movies where there was um, toys of which I had tons. I watched shows, animated shows like Droids and Ewoks, which were like spinoffs. Of those of those movies, I was really into sort of Star Wars stuff, and uh, then in college, uh, we didn't have cable, and we would just play like the Indiana Jones movies in the Star Wars original trilogy over and over and over. And and I'm dating myself a bit here, but the Phantom Menace came out right about then, and so we went to see it. I saw that movie like five times at theaters. As much as I will will uh, disavow it now, I, I definitely have seen it enough times. Um, and, and so, yeah, for me, Star Wars has always been important. It's always been something that's exciting. However, and I mentioned this on, on our sister podcast, the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast, when we talked about Star Wars, um, in terms of The Force Awakens and future Star Wars movies, of which there's going to be one every year, while I was tentatively excited, if I had had my way, there would have been no more Star Wars movies. I felt that they were unnecessary i felt that the story had resolved itself at the end of return of the jedi and so i was kind of a little dismayed to hear that they were going to proceed with one every year for the foreseeable future um 
and so uh, that's where that was sort of the mindset I was I was entering the theater with. I, I was tentatively excited. So that being said, Bo, what were your overall impressions of the new Star Wars movie, J.J. Abrams' The Force Awakens? Um, I first okay, I enjoyed it. I thought it was. I thought it felt like Star Wars. I thought the music was very reflective of Star Wars. It felt like a Star Wars movie. So if there's any concern about it feeling commercialized and feeling unauthentic, I guess, um, those very excited to watch it and feel those set aside. Also, there was something to see the same characters in the movie. So, you know, getting this Han Solo story, getting hints about Leia and Luke, but not getting everything. It's hard to say. It's hard for me to just say, yeah, it was good or yeah, it was bad because I feel like this is part of a bigger chain of story. So what I can sort of say is that the ride of the movie was very good. I think if I had to look at the prequels, like the the original series implied a greater world. The prequels tried to show all of it, and I think it probably came up short in that regard. Is that it felt more like political this and trades here and this is happening like. There's this complex you, world. You said, so when I look at yeah. the, this current movie and my feeling about it is that it was about the ride and it wasn't really concerned with explaining a big part of the world like there's a First Order and there's a Resistance and I don't know, some unnamed planets get blown up or some of them are named. You know, like it didn't matter while I was watching it. I was just sort of interested in Ray's and Finn's, uh, yeah, Finn's journey, you, you know. So, but but you don't uh, like, and maybe I'm reading too much into your reaction here. But you're you're not sounding enthusiastic. It was fun. It was it, it hit all the right notes, Star Wars wise. Um, I've seen better movies this year. Like I, I'm not. It's not up there. You know, there there's there's stuff about it that is like, I don't know. It, so. So do you feel that it was like – because one of the, the main criticisms that's been leveled at it by other people, other podcasts, whatever, is that it, it matches too closely to A New Hope in in sort of almost beat for beat, the hiding of the plans and the droid, all that sort of stuff. Did you feel that it was too much like A New Hope and that it wasn't differentiating itself? Yeah. I mean it it is like – well, I wouldn't use the word plagiarism, it, and it, it isn't a homage to the original movie because it's a movie in the same series of movies. It can't be an homage. It felt very much like that movie, um, so I'd I'd agree with that. I think I think they played it very safe. I because th- I, I think if you're going in, you're like, man, we're making a Star Wars movie. This means a lot of things to a lot of people. Let's play the safe card. That's what the prequels didn't do. It didn't play it safe, and it upset people. Um, but I'm willing to give it a pass because it's part of three movies. I think if we get to the end of three movies and it looks like the original trilogy, it's a functional remake. It's not a continuation of the story. I don't think there was anything bold about this movie that makes it memorable. And if they See, have I, like a, I would, you know, Kylo Ren is raised. That point. I would, I would say like, whereas you have. Um, well, there's some big story beats that are the same. Like you've got your Death Star, Star Killer base, whatever you want to call it. You've got you know droid plan it's hidden. You've got a kid on Tatooine equivalent. This another desert planet, whatever. All that stuff. I get that, but like the idea of of making it that um, that 
the the main villain was um, essentially like the petulant son of one of the characters that we grew up loving, and then or, or more sorry, two of the characters we grew up loving, and then that that um, character kills the most beloved character possibly in Star Wars in Han Solo. Um, I feel like not only is that a, a bold a bold action, I feel like it's it's uh, you know how does this character be redeemed now because this is a character who uh, like when you look at Darth Vader, he could not kill Luke. That was his weakness essentially uh, or strength depending on 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 how you look at it. He could not do it. That was his moment of redemption. So here you have kind of the inverse of that and I, I think that that's kind of bold and it's not something that we had we had seen previously. Yeah, you saw Anakin fall to the dark side. Uh, in the prequels, but it was with the caveat that you knew he would be redeemed. Here we have no sense that Kylo Ren will be redeemed. And in fact, he's just killed the one guy that I felt like, who now could he hold a lightsaber to and you think he wouldn't kill? You know, he killed his own father. Like, it's not going to be Leia because she's not like a combatant. You know, she's a she's more of a general. She's not going to be in a big lightsaber fight with him. No, I don't, uh, I so, don't know. I don't know. I, no, for me, for me, it's going to end. Lot of, there's a lot of track on this railroad we haven't seen. Oh, I um, know. Agreed. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's that's what's different about it. There are to me that there are different there are differences, and I agree. Almost everything you said, I agree. It was a total ride movie in many ways, but it was also a character building movie. It was a movie about characters, and I think that was one of the big criticisms about the prequels, which which was that their characters were either uh, one-dimensional caricatures or uh, just not compelling. Or, or it was, like you said, more about big world issues and less about individual characters. Um, and uh, like... No offense to Padme Amidala, she doesn't have you know much of a personality. Neither did many of the characters from the prequels. Whereas, whereas in this case, I thought that they they took their three or four uh, main new people, so uh, Kylo Ren, Finn, Ray, and. Um, Poe Dameron, and and by the end of the movie, you're like, yeah, I like or, or I'm invested in all these characters. So I thought they did a really good job in that regard of making you like sign up with those characters. Um, it was just for me, and I know I've mentioned this to you before and other people before, and I, this is the big asterisk I'm going to put next to The Force Awakens as a movie. I would really have liked it, and I might be in the minority here. I really would have liked it if they had gone hundreds of years into the future or something and had these characters hold their own and have their own movie and maybe have droids or Chewbacca around or whatever. But by bringing back all these characters like Luke, Leia, and Han in particular – um, and it, no offense to the actors uh, or how well they ate, have aged or ha- haven't aged. Like it doesn't really matter. The big thing is that Return of the Jedi ended on a pitch perfect note. It closed that story. Everybody was happy. All the characters I loved were happy. And now we're going to a world where essentially n- not only are things shitty for them, but 
they've been shitty for a long time, like the past 30 years. Like you find out what's happened to them. Luke's essentially tried to start a Jedi Academy and then his his sister and best friend's kid slaughtered all <laughs> slaughtered all his students and then he self-exiled himself to some shitty island. Meanwhile, like, you know, Han and Leia's son turns to the dark side and then they get divorced or whatever. And Han is pretty much going around the galaxy like he was at the beginning of A New Hope, except now he's, like, pushing 70. It's kind of, like, I don't know. I found all that kind of depressing. It was fun when I'm watching it, but then I think about it afterwards, I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. The one thing that was awesome was that Leia is a general, which was... Wasn't she a general in Return of the Jedi? I don't know, perhaps, but one of the things that, in light of the prequels, is that the Jedi... Were made general like a lot of the way that storytelling goes, like in the Clone Wars and stuff, is it's General Skywalker, General Kenobi. Like they're 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 the generals in the Clone Army, and it's an interesting designation that she's a she's a Force user, she's Force sensitive, that she's also a general, and that makes me think. There's, I hope they, I hope Luke taught her something. I hope there's there's that she's not just gonna be, uh, you know. I'm give instructions to people and I cry about Han. Like I really hope she has a bigger role to play in the, in the upcoming movies. Uh, maybe even a saber battle. I would love to see that. Um, I just I'm I'm doubtful of it just because I feel like if there was any movie for her to have a bigger role to play, it would be this one where Han was still live in it. Like they could have had more interactions or more whatever for her to like sit on the sidelines most of this movie and then to be pushed. Like I think they're going to push the new characters. She might serve as a mentor, but I I can't see her being like if anybody's going to be into the action, it's going to be Luke. But again, I think we all know Luke is going to die. He's either going to die in the next episode or the one after that. The idea thus far is Luke is like the chosen one, right? It wasn't Anakin. It was Luke, the Redeemer. And that's the idea you get from the original trilogy. Right. But Leia's a twin. Like she has equal claim to that throne as Luke does. But, you know, because of the way the originals were written and conceived, Luke gets all the attention and she's a plot twist, basically. But if we're going to reopen all these wounds and, and think about think about this a little more rationally, she has equal claim to be the chosen one, given that she's a descendant of this, the fallen Skywalker Anakin. You know, so I hope they do more with her. I hope she's just not relegated to sideline duty. And I feel emboldened by that because it looks like Rey is the main character of this like Ray is the Luke of Luke right this, yeah as far as we can see unless they kill her off in the first 10 minutes in the next episode and really set us up for some real you know they depressing times she's, she's the Luke she's going to be if if anybody is going to be there till the end for me it's her that's i put my money on that too and and so you know th- that's that shows a shift in you know that's a huge role for a woman to have considering how male centric these stories have been to date. This is this is a really big deal. So I could see Leia playing a bigger role in the Force story. And here's my complaint about the way this because you you're right it is depressing the way things works has worked out. Luke not single handedly he had the help of his friends and and the Rebel Alliance but he is the man right and under his watch this first order has sprung up in secret luke's a badass and and like he's had lots of time to research hone his skill like and he knows something's going on because kylo ren is in the thick of it so if anything he like 
and a bunch of planets die and where the hell is Luke sitting on an island that doesn't seem like the Luke that was presented to me at the end of Return of the Jedi it seemed like he's a hero why would a he- you know why would a hero sit on an island and do f all so i'm eager well, see, to find it, out well see this falls back into my point and i agree 100% with what you're saying it's it's the same it's the situation where they've decided to proceed with these movies from a marketing standpoint they want to include the original cast to be like this is a continuation of their story and that now it introduces new characters but the issue is that now all the the new cast are older, and so they have to they have to set it they they're they're forced to set it thirty years plus after forty years after the original trilogy, and so that leaves them having to explain what happened for forty years and to have a proper you know a proper antagonist in the spirit of Star Wars. So they they they're kind of hewn into a corner. By this, whereas if they had just gone, as I said, a hundred years, two hundred years forward, um, and done their own storyline, well, after Luke and Leia and, and could have been legend, people could talk about them. Like I don't see the need to to have them come back and do like a swan song and get lightsabered off. Because my feeling is that if Leia is the only one now, Han's dead. Luke for sure is going to die. I don't know if Leia makes it through the trilogy. I I think if one of them does, it will be her. But uh, I I feel like they're all there just to get axed one after the other, and I'm I'm not cool with that. That said, though, I really did enjoy the movie. It was much better than I anticipated it being, and I loved the new characters. I loved a lot of the approach that they did, and it left me and many other people with a lot of questions. So um, so I you know I'm I'm positive about the movie. Uh, and like Bo, you said it's the first step in a in a greater picture. I just I was disappointed uh, with the fact that that it kind of ruined my memory of of a lot of these characters. So, well, that's that was my general sense too. That uh, you know that we we were we were promised something, and now things have fallen apart. And this movie hasn't really put those pieces back together yet. And yet, I can't criticize it because I know. It's part of a, a you know a larger plan um, with respect to those films. So, eh, you know, that being said, I really enjoyed it. I thought the aesthetic was great. I thought the actors, you know, the the casting was great. I really enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed. Uh, I think Kylo Ren did a good job. That was the biggest thing. The vi- Darth Vader's Star Wars has always been a movie where you liked the bad guy like a lot, right? Like he was very cool. You liked hating him or you liked liking him. Some people identified with him. And, you know, I think the verdict, again, on this is still completely out. But for all intents and purposes, people really enjoy enjoyed what Kylo Ren had to offer. And I was kind of yeah. worried that, um, you know, I was kind of worried that there would be, uh, like, that, that it, we wouldn't live up to, you know, that sort of stature and that there wouldn't be something behind. But this Stoke... Uh, this Stoke, um, the, the, the smoke or Stoke Stoke, or whatever. spoke or what was this thing? Yeah. But I'm not, I'm like, they better have a good explanation for that character. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't get, you know, I really have Snoke, no that's idea it. what's, he, and he's not a Sith. I think a JJ Abrams is in other, um, in interviews has said, this is not a Sith Lord. So 
what is he? Like, what's going on? There's a lot that's going on with this story, and I think we just saw Act One. Like, literally, I really, I didn't feel like I watched a full movie. I felt like I watched a third of one. That's that's what I walked which, away. Which from. is a bit unfortunate because Star Wars Episode Four was able to be a movie. Like, this was it. It didn't even know if it would have sequels. Like the the first Star Wars. Uh, and and so like it you know they blow up the Death Star at the end uh, everything kind of wraps itself up and in this case it di- it does not they know that they're they're world building and they're part of a bigger sort of a bigger series so that kind of yeah I I, I understand what you're saying for for me um, it does it doesn't feel complete it ends on a cliffhanger it literally ends on a cliffhanger. Um, whereas the first episode four ends with them getting their medals, like everything is closed off. So the last shot is a cliffhanger in this movie. I am excited to see the next one. I definitely will be. And I would say I'm more excited than I was prior to seeing this movie. So now that this movie exists and I can't go back and, and give a happy ending to all my characters, I, I I really want to see where it goes. So I, I am stoked for episode eight, um, the spin-off movies, I'm still like verdicts out on those so far, but uh, I'm I'm definitely excited for uh, the next the next mainline Star Wars. All right, so your overall verdict because I think we need to move on to the other items. Uh, yeah, today, yeah, my but, overall, uh, overall verdict, verdict is you enjoyed it. We're seeing. I give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I'd put it in eight to nine t- territory. Yeah, can't eight, decide. Eight, yeah, eight also. As a movie um, without any of the baggage, I don't mm-hmm. think it would work as well. Uh, and then with the baggage, it damages your memories of the film. So I got to settle on eight. That's why. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, also, one little mystery is who, who who's raised parents. It shouldn't matter that much. It almost doesn't. But I kind of have a. Secret. It's what everybody's kind of talking about, and I know I there's. Kind of like, hope she's a Kenobi. That's sort of my guess. But yeah, I mean, well, what, that's a popular rumor that's going around right yeah. now. But then it leads to more filling of gaps and like, see, because the th- the thing is, is like if if she's Luke's kid, then then you have to explain who the mother is and what happened to her. Like she's a character we don't know and you have to introduce her. If she's Han and Leia's kid, well, then it's super easy because Han, we know Han and Leia already. You just have to have some reason for why she got stranded on this desert planet or how she got separated or why they didn't acknowledge her in this movie as their child. Um, if she's Kenobi's kid, then it's really complicated because you've got both her parents – and whoever Obi Wan had a kid had um, a kid with, like because she'd be his granddaughter, right? So I mean, it's just like they they have to do a lot of ex- <coughs> excuse me, <laughs> a lot of explaining yeah. if it's a Kenobi. The theory would be that it's um, a Mandalorian. I can't remember. It's a character they introduced in Clone Wars where Obi Wan actually says, "If I ever had to." leave the jedi order or break the jedi order it would be with you you know someone he, so, he guarded so maybe young that warriors. would be one out then you would need the kids i i'm just but even that it's like i think that they want to make it so that you watch the movies you don't need to watch the clone wars you don't need to watch any of that to get to get a a sense so they don't want to they they don't want to have it be that her parents aren't recognizable to us i think for sure like i'm i'm i bounce back and forth with with Han Han and Leia and Luke and right now I'm I'm back to Han and Leia because I think that the climactic moment if 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 Kylo Ren has killed his own father mm-hmm. then that moment where he has to like face the dark side and light side and all this is to me has got to be when he thinks he's killing his or 
or he's fighting his own sister. If it's his cousin, then it kind of loses it. No offense to my cousins, but like I'd have an easier time fighting my cousins than I would my brothers. You know, that's uh, so. So I think I think it has to be a sibling. That's why I lean that way. But yeah, and that's I, the, I, the fact that he killed the father sets up a lot of motivation for wanting to help Kylo Ren and being angry at him. You know, so Ray's gonna have to go through the whole temptation to the dark side of the force right like that's the whole thing with at least in the original movies the whole conundrum with being a force user and i guess the prequels too is you know um the appropriate use and control of the force for good and not you know not feeling like you have to get revenge for example you know like what is ray gonna ray doesn't have a apart from feeling sad about being abandoned by her parents i don't think if she's been mind wiped she doesn't have like a you killed my parents, or something like that. So it's, like I said, there's so much that's not here in this. I just wouldn't spend too much, and I, I tell you this, and I tell everybody this, I would not spend too much time, all you Star Wars nerds who know everything about every episode of Clone Wars or Expanded Universe or whatever, I wouldn't get too knee-deep in, in, in spinning theories and all this, because J.J. Abrams won't be bound by any of that, and, and the creative uh, mind bank behind um behind the new star wars movies they're going to make it so that if somebody only saw these movies or only saw or saw the original trilogy and these movies that they will understand so they're not they're not going to go too crazy off of characters that aren't introduced in the movies is what uh is what i would say so you see people talking about like maybe ray's parents are these two jedis that were only in some comic book i'm like it's probably not the case so uh, that's that's the one warning I give, but I, I I'm enthused about Star Wars again, so they did something right. All right then, um, well that's a great conversation. I look forward to talking about it with you even more because we're definitely going to be seeing it again on video and stuff like that. We need to get into video games, and I think we'll do we'll just start by going over some of the news stories as we like to do that are of interest to us this week. In a segment we call Read Me. .txt Readme.txt All right, so uh, we have talked Star Wars long enough. Now we are into the video game sphere. Or are we, Bo? Because before we talk any more video game stuff, I just wanted to mention a little piece of pop culture that is a, a, of pop culture that is on the periphery of my brain, which is a Daredevil season two. Uh, Netflix has announced that it not only is it coming in March, um, that the Punisher, who is going to be the main antagonist of this season. Uh, is going to get his own Netflix show spun off of the Daredevil show. Um, and I was a big fan of the first season of Daredevil. I just recently finished watching Jessica Jones, uh, which is also a really good show. I think people had low expectations and it blew those out of the water. But I think, at, you know, I'll have to let it percolate in my brain a little bit, but I feel that Daredevil was more enjoyable to me. Um 
maybe the more action and that sort of stuff. And I've always loved Daredevil as a character. So I am pretty stoked. Have you seen any of this sort of screenshots of the new season of Daredevil that they've released? No, I haven't actually, but um, I'm going to look it up right now because we can do that. Well, they have, um, they, so Elektra is going to be in it as well as there was Daredevil. Like a, there was a trailer I heard. The trailer is it is the all is more than a teaser. It's more of a teaser of a, than a teaser is. Like essentially, it's a bunch of clips from the first season shown over a stained glass window. It really had zero new content, so um, mm-hmm. it, it it doesn't really tell you much. Uh, it gets you stoked because you're like, yeah, Daredevil season one was so awesome, um, but at the same at the same point, it doesn't really. Uh, it doesn't really get you going for season two other than make you excited about the characters. So the Punisher, uh, and they, they've talked about the costumes and how they're going to evolve through the season and they don't want to reveal too much. They don't want it to be too traditional superhero-y, but supposedly both the Punisher and Elektra will end up in kind of comic book-esque duds by the end of the season. And so I'm I'm excited for Daredevil uh, season two and... Uh, the photos they've shown of the characters and and the way they say that it's going to unfold. Supposedly, it's more about uh, where season one was sort of the origin of of becoming a hero. Season two is more asking the question what it means to be a hero. So, hmm. so Daredevil is one type of hero. Is the Punisher a hero or not? And if so, like Daredevil refused to kill the Kingpin in in season one. Here he's faced with a guy that's you know kills everybody. I, I'm I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and I feel in many ways this resonates with the main Spider-Man storyline as well. So yes, Daredevil season two. They keep dropping tidbits. I'm excited. Well, they did a really good job with the first one, so I'm I'm all in on the second season. I'm for sure love that the Punisher's in there. The Punisher's never gotten his real due, I think, in the movies, even though there's they've been entertaining. I love the actor they picked for it. It's like he was born to play Punisher. Um, Shane J- from The Walking Dead? Yeah, Jake Barenthal or something like that, I think is no, his name. Barenthal. Bar- or John Barenthal. I, I don't... Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's Shane from Walking Dead. Perfect. He's a perfect Frank Castle. And I like the Punisher as a hero because he's like full vigilante mode. Like, I, I dig it. And um, that is going to put him in conflict with uh, all kinds of heroes. Daredevil, chief among them. It's a great. This is a great, uh, great character to add. I think to the show. One thing I like about it too is that the, he's a character that I like, but I like more in terms of his interactions with other characters. The, the, I don't. I can't support him as a hero, and therefore I like. I like more seeing him play off other characters, which will be what this season will be about. So, whereas Daredevil is a character I can get behind more easily. So, sure. anyway, the, the, the Punisher is just a homicidal murderer. Like, yeah, with a, no, like, that's he, he the, is like we anyone who is like that person in real life. We say you can't do that. You can't walk into some place and shoot the people you think deserve punishment. Um, yeah. You're not a hero. You're an asshole. Uh, even if you are killing bad guys, maybe they're not like maybe they don't deserve the punishment. We check out good, bad, or bullshit. We did an episode on vigilanteism. He's basically the worst elements of vigilanteism personified in a, in a character, and um, 
So, uh, you know. And he's an extreme, right? Like, like okay, so Spider-Man and Batman, everybody always talks, like, about Batman and why doesn't he kill the Joker or Spider-Man and, like, guys like Carnage, why he doesn't kill them because they, they're going to kill so many people and if they just killed this one guy and, and Batman will say, you know, how it's a slippery slope or, or and, and, and have his code. But the Punisher is complete the other way. Like, he will kill everybody all the time. And and it's funny because Spider-Man and, and Batman are Care Bears on one side and then the Punisher is the, the complete other side. But you, you have very few hu- vil, um, heroes. I would argue Wolverine might be one of them that more fits in the middle that will kill but doesn't always kill, you know? Um, there's, not that, there's not that many of those heroes. Either you don't kill or you're a homicidal maniac. It seems like that's how comic books work. Well, you know, that's it's a mature take on, on vigilantism. Anyways, Daredevil, Daredevil Season 2, I'm all in on it. Uh, you should be too, if you like comic book stuff. All right, what's next, Crofton? You got uh, this list here. So, yeah, okay. I, moving into the video game world, Zelda, everybody's been anticipating this new Legend of Zelda game. It's going to be an open world Zelda game. It's going to be the first Zelda in HD, like designed for HD. Um, there, It's... Title is yet to be announced. It's supposedly coming this year, I think more than likely. However, everybody expects that Nintendo is going to announce probably in the first or second quarter of the year their, uh, the details surrounding their new video game console, called, tentatively dubbed the NX. Um, and uh, at which point... Yuck. Yuck. What? NX. I disapprove. That's just a project. It's a project name. I hope like, so. Couple, I hope so. No, but the the dolphin was the um, Nintendo sixty four. I think the uh, like they all they all have project. Nobody sticks to their project name. Morpheus ended up being PlayStation VR. Like nobody sticks to the project name. The project name is is the NX. So so um, it, it, the thing is is that the Nintendo the. Nintendo's going to be in a situation where it's probably going to be releasing new hardware this year, maybe in the latter half of the year. Zelda is going to come out this year. Zelda has been designed for the Wii U. Um, Do they pull a Twilight Princess? Um, Which was, if you recall, when the Wii came out at the tail end of the GameCube's lifespan... They essentially released a, a GameCube version and a Wii version of the same game. What was so funny about that was that Link is uh, a lefty, but because most people are righties, um, Twilight Princess, uh, it, it, the Wii version was flipped completely. So all the dungeons where you would turn left, you'd turn right instead. Everything, because he, he's holding a sword in the other hand, and they just reversed, they mirrored the whole game. It's quite a crazy thing that they did. So for for um, for this one, I just don't, I don't see how, like, they must already be working on a port. Like, it was designed for Wii U, or does it only release for Wii U is the swan song, in which case that's really going to limit the amount of people that play it. So you've got this new system that's launching, but your big game of that year only launches on your last-gen system that nobody owns. I mean, it seems like a huge marketing blunder. Yeah, they'll probably port it over eventually, but it'll take a while. So I'm curious to see what Zelda, uh, what's going to happen with Zelda this year. Because honestly, I want to play Zelda. So do I buy a Wii U, which is dead, or do I, or do I just wait for the new system and that's it'll be released on that? So I'm going to wait for details 
to see uh, before opening my wallet. How's your consumer confidence on the next Nintendo thing? Because the Wii U, it was not out too long, right? No, right? no, it's it might, and, and Nintendo is feeling the heat and stuff like that. Look, it's either going to be their last video game console ever, like heart in, in their house, in your house, or it's going to be, um, or it's going to be the start of a resurgence. But I will say that, like, it's going to last a few years, maybe three, minimum three. In which case, my daughter is going to be a, a little bit older, like you know, she'll be maybe five, six, and I'll. Um, I'll want her to yeah I'll, I'll want to start playing those Nintendo type games with her so I'll want to have a console that can you know that can play them so there is that also I think Wii U was such a bust like in terms of sales yeah. that I feel like all their major games will be ported to the next system in some way the next system will be able to play them in some way um, and I feel like there's maybe there's maybe five or six Wii U games that I'd be really keen on playing. Not a, not enough that I really want to shell out for uh, a Wii U at this point, knowing that it's dead. But uh, but if I could play those games, I would be happy. So I, I'm I'm going to uh, for sure look at their next system very closely. All right. Well, um, well, stay tuned here. We'll give you all the Zelda updates as they happen since Crofton's super into it. Um, what's this about possible unannounced games of 2016? Let's go. We talked a ton about, you know, some of the new stuff coming in 2016 last week, although we didn't plan on it. Unannounced stuff? Anything that you're curious might? Well, yeah, I, I am curious about games that are, that have yet to be, because it, you convinced me last week, you, about this year being much yes. better than I thought. Yes. And, and I took a look at a couple of articles, re- listened to a couple of podcasts and everybody's talking about like the lineup of games. And some of them I'm looking at you, mass effect will be pushed back till 2017. I'm pretty sure, but there's a lot of good games coming out this year. But I also feel like every year at E3 or before there's announcements made about games that come out later, like fallout four wasn't a- announced this time last year. And then it came out, in the same year it was announced. It was announced right before E3, if you remember. So there's a lot of games that could be announced. Now, though, though I'll be honest, the one that I'm, I'm, I've got my eye out for is, and I'm not sure if, if one year is too short a turnaround, but a new Rocket League or a Rocket League expansion or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see big things happening with Rocket League this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm super into that game, so I, I would be all up in there if there was a uh, if there was a new Rocket League. Um, but there's other games I'm sure, like uh, I you know they haven't announced the new details. I think for the next Call of Duty yet, um, that comes out every year for sure. I think Assassin's Creed said they might be taking this year off, which good for them. But like um, the Watch Dogs Two, I've heard speculated for for this year. Ooh. Uh, Filling the gap for Ubisoft, the mm. Assassin's Creed leaves. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to see what some of these games are. I don't know what they are. I'm not sure if you're speculating. You generally have your ear to the ground around Blizzard. Do you think Blizzard's going to announce or release anything this year that they haven't? Uh... Um, well, there's all kinds of news, you know, with respect to heroes. Like, there'll be 13 more heroes. Like, it's little no, stuff, I mean not full, full Overwatch. No, everything's a known element with them because they're years in development and they usually have extensive beta testing before release. So it doesn't like the things that we're interested in hearing about. I guess in 2016 at BlizzCon next fall, 
there's got to be a new expansion or Diablo 4. There's got to be some new content. They're still supporting the existing game, so I think it's going to be an expansion, if it's anything. We didn't get it this year, so I imagine they're going to announce next year. And um, we'll probably get more news around what the long-term plan for Overwatch maybe looks like, depending on its reception this year. And uh, there's mission... like uh, Everything else has been announced. So the only real question mark there is, is there another IP in development there? We don't know. Yeah. No one's Do they just... have another MMO going on? No, that... Well, Project Titan was canceled. I mean... They may be working yeah. on other things. Hearthstone was a big surprise when it got announced. No one saw that coming. So who knows what other teams they have off to the side. You know, that game was five years in development before it got even announced um, as a mini project, a for fun thing that they set aside some money, gave some developers some, some running room and just said, well, make something. And turns out people started liking it and more and more development money got th- thrown on it as it uh, gained in popularity within the company. So who knows what else like that is worked on and scrapped or worked on and on its way out the door. Um, I really think Blizzard is not going to be the MMO company that we know in the future. I think World of Warcraft's it. I think, and this is a subject, this is a bigger subject for like a dialogue tree, but I think that MMO gaming as pop, um, as, as like a, a popular business, as, as a big time business is over. Um, we have MMO, like Twitch is like the MMO experience, like the social aspect of gaming is alive and well in non MMO traditional MMO structures that I don't, you know, with Reddit and with, um, you know, discord is now a big app for voice communications with strangers. You can drop into discord chat channels. Um, I think that, you know, it's just going to be diehards who like that multi-user dimension MMO experience that want it. And it's not going to be pop. I think Warcraft's client base are the client base they've earned, um, like it's not new customers. It's very few right. new customers. It's a lot of returning customers. So, so just going back to unannounced games though, yeah. like that's so, so sorry. Yeah. I got sidetracked. No I know okay. Diablo four. If I had to wish for something, it would be that, but nothing confirmed. Yeah. I think, I think at E3 this year, you're going to see a bunch of games announced. Um, some of which will come out this, some of which will come out this year. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm almost anticipating that stuff more than what what I know is coming out, uh, because a lot of what's what's announced is is sequels and known commodities. But um, yeah, so I, I am excited for the unannounced games, and I think that t- I've turned a corner on 2016 and think it could be even better than 2015 for gaming, which was a seminal year for yeah, gaming. So big VR year, lots of unannounced stuff for VR. I know that's another big unannounced VR games, like because there's very few of the games that are currently launching with the oculus and stuff that i i'm I'm very excited about i'm sure sony is going to have a bunch to support playstation vr so i'm very i'm very keen to see what they what those games uh what those games are and what sort of experiences uh we'll get so um all right well that's uh that's croft and stake on 2016 a few other items real quick we're gonna we're gonna dance through them if you like Metal Gear Solid, that is the original one for PlayStation, someone's remaking it in Unreal Engine 4. Until um, Konami comes and shuts them down tomorrow. Basically. So if you're into this thing, check out the trailer. It's always fun to see what if. So have a Why look at the trailer. Why do people do this? Why do they, when they don't have rights to something, do this when they know how it's going to end? You know, like, why? Yeah. Well, uh, I- 
here's okay well we're actually going to talk about this in the dialogue tree but here's a oh, thought oh spoiler okay have, i will i could wait till later yeah here's a, but here's a thought about ip that you can sit with till we get there which is when you're a fan of something and you're such a fan that you want to make something with the beauty that's been created by someone else why does someone else get to sit on it that you that you're not allowed to make a thing you know um like i we get that it needs to be protected but at the same time it's not a static artifact like you don't go to michelangelo's sculptures and decide you're going to smash them because that's your artistic interpretation on it but you can take a copy and make your own so sit with that for a second because you know and we'll get we'll, we'll have a deeper discussion so anyways if you're into metal gear solid fan remake unreal engine 4 hopefully it makes it to the end if you're going to replay metal gear solid i'd rather play a great update than the old shitty version even though it's classic it's got poopy graphics um <laughs> darkest dungeon launches this week small news item it's been in open access early access you for mentioned a long time. you mentioned like in that one yeah i love this game i'm looking forward to really digging in now that it's in full launch i don't think there's much there's a lot that's changed since i've talked about it they've had a new class and and new bosses and stuff like that um but i don't know what's in the full release but it's now fully released and it's a big recommend if you like roguelikes this is a great unique take on the roguelike and even there's a review i like the review from Tycho, and it's like if you've ever loved me play this game and i'm like eh, you know penny arcade guys are well respected in, in this kind of thing so they're they're big time proponents of i think they have something to do with it getting created too i think there's more to it than just a review but it's I'm the, still I'm stoked to try that game. Honestly, it, I, it's a lot of buzz around it. And I asked you how polished it was when you talked about it in early access, and it sounded pretty near complete then. So yeah. it's not a story game. There's no narrative, although there is a narrator who is awesome. It's just awesome flavor to have while you play the game. But it's a gameplay game, not a story game. Okay. Uh, so also, we talked a lot about Star Wars, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. But there was a fantastic skit on SNL where. Uh, Adam Driver, who is the guest who plays Kylo Ren in Star Wars, does an episode of Undercover Boss, and it's quite good. So you should. The check thing, it out. the thing that's cool too is like Disney is handling handling the Star Wars property really well because honestly, there's no way. I know it falls under satire, but there is no way that they made that skit without Disney's involvement. Um, you know, the the storm from the stormtrooper suits to the. the um, to the special effects and all that. They definitely gave their blessing. The saber looked authentic, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Everything was... And that's what... And, and the fact they actually had Adam Driver and he, he just totally sold it as Kylo Ren again made it made it all the better. So I, I definitely uh, recommend people check that out. But I also kudos to Disney for... We just... Bo just mentioned about IPs and protecting them and all that. This is an example of a company being loose enough to realize like how to maintain the popularity of their thing, you know, like don't be authoritarian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, isn't, I wonder if they're all owned by Viacom or something like that anyways, but still, it's still a great, you know, it's good, good use of the IP in other arenas for promotion and for our enjoyment. So, um, yeah. All right. So let's move on to games per minute real quick. Games per minute. Making kids minds like vegetables. Talk about them on the street. Smoking this is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? All right, this is games per minute where we talk about the games we've been playing. Um, I want to get through this real quick so we can get to the dialogue tree crafting. If there's no objections, I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. 
Oh, yeah. I know that game. <laughs> Done. Gen Greyman got released. He's fun. He's not OP, but he's fun. What is fun. he? Sorry, just what, what he's, character? He's a worgen, which is the Warcraft's take on werewolf. There's a race of people that turn okay. into werewolves. And um, so you shoot from range as a, a, a British sound dude. Fogilneus. And then um, you can charge in. Like there's this instant rawr, transform into a werewolf and descend upon your enemies and cut them with, with your claws. That's his mm. kit. And uh, he's really fun. And it's been a great week. <laughs> so I, I'm playing uh, the same game as I was last week. I barely touched Fire Emblem Awakening this week, although I, I'm going to. I found it really hard to juggle it with Metal Gear Solid Five. They're both similar in that there's like they're involving missions with a sizable amount of like menu interaction. Um, and I'm playing Rocket League, and honestly, I keep playing more and more Rocket League. I'm just I'm. The thing I don't understand about it and its hold on me is the fact that you don't get really rewarded with much. Like when you're playing uh, a MOBA or something like that, like all the the ranking system and the reward structure. Like in Hearthstone, you'd get gold uh, and and you could use them to buy card packs. And there's, there's constant sort of like uh, reward structure where in Rocket League, there is really like you can go up ranks where it says instead of – rookie you're a, a semi-pro or a pro or whatever and you can, there's like there's a couple of like bronze league and all that sort of stuff that you can climb mm-hmm. but really there's not you're not getting anything for playing it you just play it because it's super fun and as soon as the game's over i'm like i want to play another game <laughs> and uh it, it really digs into my my time for some of these larger, more involving single player games like Metal Gear Solid, which I'm still into. But uh, I find that it's sort of sometimes a slog for me to turn it on. Once I turn it on, I'm playing it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is really fun. I remember all the things I like in it. But but uh, yeah, Rocket League has been dis- distracting me from playing it. And I'm probably I've put sixty hours into Metal Gear Solid Five, and I'm probably not even half done. So it's a huge game. Yeah, well, you know, you're going to be, this is going to be the Metal Gear Solid show for the next coming weeks. Any amazingly stupid things happened in that game since the last time we talked? You know, uh, last time it was Child Soldiers. I I wanted to call last week's episode featuring Child Soldiers. Uh, but, you know, I felt like if you didn't listen to the episode and we're just judging on the surface, you might feel know, like we're a couple of assholes and never listen to the show, and I'd feel bad about it. So, well, there's been a lot more episode, uh, missions with child soldiers, and each one always says, like in the credits when you're landing, it always says featuring child soldiers. <laughs> and yeah, so yeah. that that's uh, that's still it's there. A new Kanye West song featuring there's, child soldiers. <laughs> there's now there's now a virus that has kind of overtaken my base. Oh, uh, shit. And uh, you have to like quarantine all these people. And it's really annoying how you do it. Like, cause I have like 680 people in my base. And so I have to go through this list and select them one by one and put them into quarantine. I tried to look online to see if there was a better way of doing it, but there wasn't. So I spent like what would be the equivalent of two or three Rocket League games going through a spreadsheet list and like quarantining people. That's the thing about this game. It's got some moments of pure joy and ag- action and excitement and stealth when you're doing these missions and you have all these options of how you want to approach them. But then it has like spreadsheet simulator when it comes to your base management 
Um, and there's just so much of it. If I could just like cut all that out of the game, I would. The last thing I'd say about Metal Gear is they've introduced a multiplayer segment where I can invade other places, other bases. I know I touched on this last week. So I've invaded a couple of people's bases. But the problem is if they're not online, which most of the time they're not, pretty much all of the time, mm-hmm. um, then I never fight anybody. So I just go into their base and I capture it and get a few of their people or whatever. And it's not really overly compelling and nobody ever attacks me back which probably means none of those people are actually still playing the game they're probably all done playing it and so one day they'll turn it on like two months from now and they'll be like who is this guy why did he attack me well i, I already kind of got bored listening to all that <laughs> where's the funny crap did Kiefer sutherland tell anyone to lick his boots one thing that's interesting about Kiefer Sutherland is that uh, I I was I went back and I started playing some uh, Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes, yes. which is sort of like the the glorified demo almost for the game. Honestly, he does more voice acting for that thing, the Ground Zeroes, than he does in Phantom Pain. Like it's ridiculous how little voice acting he does. There's all this crap that happens around him, and he's just like standing there with his arms crossed. People are talking to him, and he never responds. Like it's clear to me that it was a voice acting contract thing. Like why does he speak so little? It makes no sense. So, well, especially uh, in the Metal Gear context where everyone talks way too much. And Snake, yeah. and the Snakes always have two. Like, this is the same character who was Naked Snake in Metal Gear Solid 3, who was always talking up a storm on his calm link. Why is he so quiet all of a sudden? Because Keeper's <laughs> cheap ass or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. Anyways, cultural things don't translate well. I'm, I'm, you know, check out Naked Snake. All right. Um,. And so you've been playing Fire Emblem, Metal Gear Solid, and Rocket League. Rocket League. We had a couple games, right? We had some fun. Yeah. Rocket League. Oh, honestly, an right and game. that's another thing. Like with Rocket League, it's like pick it up and and play it with you, and and it's even more fun. So, I mean, it it really uh, it's really annoyingly addictive. Yeah. Here's so. another thing too. You were talking about your unannounced, like what could be coming in 2016. There's already a lot of great stuff. Bring on the Rocket League clones. You know, they're in development right now. Like, everyone's like, oh, shit, they won two game awards and everyone's giving them money. Here comes Rocket Soccer. And here comes some dodgeball game on Steam. Rocket Dodgeball? Cars with no, it's, it wasn't. It was some other sort of, but like the what the thing that Rocket League is going to resuscitate, and you could call the Rocket League clothes if you will, and and in many ways they are, but is arcade sports, which I love. Like like you remember on on the NES and other stuff there, I played like Bad News Baseball and like NHL hits, a uh, hockey where oh, the Smash goalies, Bros. NBA NBA um, Jam. And uh, all these games that are just not realistic at all and stuff blows up and all that sort of stuff. Like, those games are going to come back. And, man, those are the fun sports games for sure. There, I, there was I, a game I at one they... point, Mega Man Soccer, that I always wanted to rent, but I never did. I think it was Mega Man Soccer. Yeah, Mega Man Soccer. I never played it, but whenever I was always like, oh, man, I really want to try that game. I never did. Just a, just a random thought. All right, let's get into the dialogue tree. How about that? Sure. <laughs> Now that there's one fine dialogue tree. All right, this is the dialogue tree where we pick a subject for discussion on this week's episode of the podcast, the exclamation mark. 
and this week, considering the Metal Gear Solid fan remake, uh, what is it, Shadow Moses? What a weird name. Um, no, that's the name of the base that's invaded in Metal Gear Solid. I, it's still a weird name. Like, it's just Shadow Moses. Like, anyway. No, because Metal Gear Solid fans will know what it means, where it I know. doesn't probably encroach on copyright. I'm so worried about criticizing anything Metal Gear Solid. That sounds stupid. Like, no, but it's named this because that. Anyways. In light of that news article, and we've kind of broached the subject on the show before, let's have a conversation about how aggressively should video game companies protect their intellectual property when fans create remakes of older IP, uh, older games or new chapters in their IP for distribution. So, um, you know, Deus Ex needs an overhaul. It gets it. So, you know, fans make it. Um, this Metal Gear Solid is an example. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know, other examples of games that have this. I know the old Sierra games, people, King's Quest, there was a new chapter in development for a long time by That's fans right. that got shut down by Vivendi, I think, at the time or whoever it was. I think it got re-released. I think they ended up releasing it, but like under... A new sort of branding, but you it was know? it was plagued with troubles. And you think who yeah. gives a crap about the King's Quest? Like, make a new chapter. No one's like that. They're not in the zeitgeist anymore. But it's still an IP owned by a company that felt like it had to protect it. Um, I think there was another famous one too of recent note that I can't think of. Um, but you know, sh- how, where is the line in this? Because and so let me start off by giving my opinion. I think that. When you create something and put it out there in the world and that people really enjoy it, I find it very encouraging and I think you would find it flattering that people want to make their own art and make their own cosplays and make their own editions of the game. Um, I, I think one I saw was actually StarCraft 1 being remade in the StarCraft 2 engine. I don't think that's been shut down yet, but... I feel like Blizzard might, you know, they still sell StarCraft on their store. I think if that ever got legs, they'd send cease and desist. Um, So at what point can, you know, take an old game and say, well, we want to reinterpret it. We want to update it to engage current audiences who are, you know, if you're in your teens, why would you play an old crusty game when you're going to play a game that has HD graphics? Why would you care? Where if someone went out and updated it, that's their passion. They know computer programming. They have the tools to do to express their art this way. You know, do you think we should? Do you think companies should be embrace this more and let people, you know, do these fan remakes and not feel the need to aggressively protect their IP? Well, I think that you and I are in an, in a situation where it's very easy to turn on the corporations because. Uh, we're not in their position at all. Like we're we're just it's essentially calling for the socialism in video games or <laughs> or or like for freedom for companies to just like let anybody do whatever with their with their licensed property. And uh, I can understand where that would be really tempting. And part of me would like that, uh, but I think that there has to be limits into in, in what can be done and i think stuff like remakes in particular are and you talked about mods as well and i think mods are okay um and and, and companies are much more flexible with mods because if you have say deus ex and you you have a mod to make it look nicer well that's pretty that's pretty good the you bought deus ex and everybody 
has to buy it to to have that mod to make it look nicer. But if you're releasing an entire new game for free or whatever, uh, using the the properties or assets or ideas uh, of uh, of another game, then it's within their right, I think, to either want some sort of uh, uh, money for it or to at least have been able to grant you permission to do it. Um, so I, it, 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 it's, uh, it's a fine line to walk. And I'll tell you, Bo, mm-hmm. before copying out on the answer, a company that did learn to walk that line is Resident Evil 2 uh, and Capcom. Sorry, Capcom and Resident Evil 2. So last year... Uh, Capcom shut down a, a fan remake project for Resident Evil 2 called Resident Evil 2 Reborn. So they was, it was cancelled. Uh, this company called Inv- Invader Games was making it, which is kind of funny that you have this this small company, it's probably just a few people, but like they, they have a branding and they're like, hey, we're making a game called Resident Evil 2 and we're not, you know... You know, we're not asking Capcom if it's okay or whatever. But in, what Capcom did is they said to Invader Games, why don't you come and meet us on official terms and we'll talk about it. And so so they go, they, they came in and supposedly now there is an official uh, Resident Evil 2 remake that's been announced. There's a very strong likelihood that either, you know, Invader Games employees were involved in that or like Capcom, instead of just burning the house down, they brought them in and they said like, okay, how can we talk about, you know, what are your ideas and maybe, maybe we can work something out there. So I think that that's a good, I think that's good for them. But on the other hand, had they just let them make this Resident Evil 2 game, that would for sure have cut into future future profits for them. Like Re- Resident Evil 2 is one of the most beloved Resident Evils. And Resident Evil 1 Remake was just released in HD to tons of money in sales on Steam and on on the um, the consoles. So I feel like I feel like they would be burning money by letting some some. Uh, startup just steal their their properties and make make a remake of their existing game so i think there's a line they have to walk yeah you know yeah no that that's it's a good point that's actually a really good example of a game that um you know when you remake something better and it's something that you could easily just re-release yourself or a lot of games are having a second life these days with the on the ipad or on steam or on classic uh, good old games um, so yeah, I mean, someone updating your game, your game in that way definitely undermines it. And I think, I think company, you know, the way we have our life structure has, have, has a right to protect its, its existing IP. But I think you look at a lot of beloved franchises that, that don't have their games out and, you know, there, there's something, there's something to fan community, you know, made games that aren't sold for profit that you know um should be celebrated i guess a bit more like i feel like i don't know you feel like you wish you'd see a little bit more companies going like wow these guys are doing this new entry into the deus ex series it's not official canon but it's really cool you know you should check it out or something like that you don't you don't really see that like you'll see that with um art so if i was to you know fall in love with clouds well maybe square enix is a bad example of a company that does it but let's say i'm a painter and i paint a uh, garrosh hell scream and i draw it to, to blizzard's attention they're gonna tweet it out they do that all the time they're like look at what this fan made about our game it's amazing 
But if I'm like, hey guys, I'm a programmer and I reprogrammed classic World of Warcraft from scratch and updated it in Unreal Engine 4, which actually someone is rendering Azeroth currently. I don't know if that will ever finish, but they did um, Elwyn Forest and Westmarch in Unreal Engine 4. Um, you know, you, you don't hear them going like, hey, look at what this guy's doing in Unreal 4. It's pretty cool, you know, like... So it's just it's just weird, like all the ancillary stuff that doesn't directly affect profit. It become organic marketing for a company, and yet people who do program things that are fans of your IP have to rely on third party sources for distribution of hype, or just 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 to share what the cool thing you did was. And um, as long as it's not for profit, like if a company is going out there just reselling the game branded as what it is, they they're clear violation. But if it's a fan created community thing like i know nintendo is very aggressive about stamping out people who want to make another super metroid they protect their ips very aggressively i mean they protect their ips on youtube for let's plays they're not even a big fan of that stuff so i just you know yeah i i think that you raise some good points but i just think that um in terms of like being a company and protecting your assets if somebody gives away something for free it devalue it could potentially devalue your product also the content of it could could be questionable in nintendo's case they're so concerned with being family friendly that that they don't want any to take any risks and lose control of any uh, of any of their assets um but but w- what frustrates me is I'm going to give you an example of th- there's games that are canceled, okay, and that they never see the light of day, and uh, and often they're canceled near completion. Uh, and uh, it, it, the one that jumps to my mind because we talked about Daredevil season two is in 2004, Encore Software developed this game uh, called Daredevil. And for the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox, it was so close to being released. It was so close to being released that that they were running ads in comic books at the time for the game. Like it was, it was, it was pretty much done. But at the end, got canceled at the last at the last minute. I would like to have seen them make that that game either available to to somebody to co- complete it and you know maybe issue it for free. Now they're not going to do that cuz Daredevil is owned by Marvel is you know there's money to be made in an eventual Daredevil product. But if you look at this this game was canceled in 2004, nothing has happened and we're 2016 there has been no Daredevil video game in that time and maybe following the success of the tv show there'll be a video game who knows maybe there will be but there hasn't been since 2004 and and the only reason that the game in 2004 couldn't have been finished is because everybody knows that if 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 somebody tried to finish it they would get sued so i mean it's kind of like it's kind of like you can't even finish half-baked project projects uh and maybe the reason is, well, that project was canceled because A, it's shitty, or B, it was in violation of the rights. I'm just going to go on a quick aside here. Mm-hmm. I worked at yeah. Ubisoft way back when, when they were when they were working on on distribution and for the Matrix Online, and the, and Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment didn't exist then. So Warner Brothers they outsourced to companies their games, and so they outsourced the Matrix Online, and um, and they were absolutely. 
uh, Monolith was the, the creator of the game and, and Ubisoft was in charge of distribution and, and customer support because it was an MMO. Anyway, Warner Brothers was absolutely d- determined to ensure that every part of its copyright was protected. And I'll tell you how how minute we're talking here. We're talking about the exact shade of green, tint of green that that is on your screen when you're in the matrix to show that you're in the matrix. If it's different tints, then it's you know it's outside of their co- they had copyrighted the shade of green, um, and and they were allowing use uh, for this game or whatever. And but they wanted to be sure they had experts like looking at the green to be sure it matched up with their copyright green and all God that sort of damn. thing. Right? Wow. Okay. It's like. That's the amount of detail these guys go into when they think that there's sort of money on the table and in in terms of protecting the 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 identity of their their um of their stuff and like when in, in the case of like the Metal Gear remake that just came out Metal Gear 5 is like one of the best not the best selling game of last year but it, w- it was one of the best reviewed game of last year that is a very active ip that's not dormant in any way shape or form so for some guy to go out and make a remake of metal gear solid one i can guarantee you not only has there already been a remake of metal gear solid one uh, on gamecube and stuff but there will definitely be another remake of metal gear solid one that is a game that will be remade 10 times before i am dead um, and so for him to go on and say, hey, look, I'm remaking it in the Unreal Engine, maybe that's good to drag to get attention. But like, I mean, really, it seems like a boneheaded move. You're going to get shut down. You know, like it's just a matter of if they if they invite you like Capcom did to participate in an actual remake or not. So, so I, you're I, saying I, he'd be better served by coming up with his own. Like do yeah. he can do that on his own for fun, but like if he wants to share a project or do a project, he should try and think of something mechanics maybe inspired by the genre or something, but he should do something original. That's Well, we make something that's dormant. You know, something that's not active. Like if I'm like, hey, I'm going to make Fallout Five. I'm going to remake Fallout One. You know, mm-hmm. don't that's I'm going to I'm going to remake the Elder Scrolls Arena. I'm like, okay, that those games are still still owned and operated by Bethesda um, you should go check with them before you do that because you could just be wasting your time and I guess like the Capcom story with Resident Evil that can be enticing to people they're like well maybe if I do this it's going to get publicity and then maybe the company will reach out to me and then maybe I'll get a sweet job like maybe that's what they're thinking but it just seems like really it seems really stupid like it's one thing the king's quest guys like i think it's a silver lining or something the name of the the game the silver uh, the, lining yeah is what it's called yeah, yeah yeah um anyway the that's king's quest was dormant dormant like before the relaunch of sierra earlier this year like it was it so that made perfect sense for them to go out and do that i i totally understand that um but but don't uh it's like if i made a a remake of Jazz Jackrabbit. It's like Epic Ooh, owns it. I know. Really dig it sure... into the creative vintage there. Yeah, like the deep cuts. I'm sure. I'm sure Epic owns it. Jill of the Jungle or something. But like, Whoa. I can, <laughs> I, I can make a remake of those games, in and maybe I, I'm still taking a risk because I don't own the property though. So like, um, someone probably am, owns it. Those things don't expire. I think for fifty years, and I, that's if you don't renew it. If you, you know, 
That's right. It, but, it, but some of them might not care, especially if I'm making just a little re- free sample. Anyway, it's 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 tough because I understand you don't want it to be the Wild West. And going back to your point, in terms of like, say I want to make a Star Wars fan film, okay? I've seen some really great Star Wars fan films, but none of them could be mistaken with a Star Wars actual movie. But video games, especially with the Unreal tools, somebody could literally make a video game that is in comparative quality to uh, a, a mainstream game that's out now. And that's why they have to be even tighter on those things with video games. Because the guy's remake of Metal Gear Solid could honestly, like especially if he had, I don't know what he does for voice acting or sound or whatever, but it could be really good, you know, if he's good in Unreal, you know, it could be really good. So, well, I'm, yeah, I, I think I, I agree or understand and acknowledge everything you said. Like, I don't, I don't disagree. I just think there's something to the conversation that we're, <coughs> you know, you're a company, yes, but you put some, like, we could take Star Wars and all the fan stuff that gets made around Star Wars that, like, that stuff's important. It's, it's, it doesn't have to be um, a commercial success for it to be important, not only to the person who made it as an exercise and self-fulfillment, but to other people. You know, other pe- it, it, you want to share the things that you create and bring people joy. And if they contain, you know, characters, or even if you're just like, let's make a home movie recreating the Star Wars movie, but with the family as actors or whatever, like, fucking do that and share it with people and distribute it. Um, but you know, probably the way that it works legally is you could get shut down or you could be discouraged or get a cease and desist. I think it's crappy when companies do that, um, in cases where people are clearly fans of your product and you know what, maybe they do make a bit of money off of what they're doing and maybe that's okay too. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's a very, that's very company legally kind of thing to protect your ips in such a way rather than say we created this beautiful thing and now we're sharing it with the world um which is why it's sort of sad that you know we talk about this on core about heroes is that we i want a map editor so, i mean blizzard's a company known for with a lot of its releases and there have been a lot of companies in more pc classic gaming terms release map editors mod editors there's very few companies that support that kind of thing right now you've got bethesda who likes to do that and um, Blizzard hasn't been doing it. I, no talk about mod tools for Overwatch. No talk about mod tools for is none for Diablo. Not that that's a game where that's really expected, but none for Heroes. You know, like none for Hearthstone. Um, I think that you know, I think that that particular company is moving away from it. To be perfectly honest with you, and um, yeah, I just think there's 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 real lack of it out there, and maybe companies don't feel like they need to be doing that, but. They shouldn't discourage people who put extra effort in when they're fans of their product, put their valuable time into making a cool thing. And I think I always get disgusted when I hear like the more egregious um, things that are clearly fan first, not trying to um, ex- exploit and make money first. Like there are those things, there are reasons to protect the IP from predators who do like um, there was one for Hearthstone, I think where someone would s- was selling a third-party service for you know to improve your Hearthstone play, and that got that got aggressively uh, tasked. I forget what it was for though, um, you know. So, you know, that's that's what I have to say about that. 
my my message is don't discourage people from creating as long as it doesn't undermine your actual direct product or as an exploit. If people are fans of stuff, go ahead and make let them make it, man. Such a hippie. End rant. <laughs> okay, well, that's been a dialogue tree. you have anything uh, to add before we move on, uh, Mr. Croft? No, nope, I'm sped. All right, so let's move on to the inventory management. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. Yep, this is inventory management where we answer the question, should you spend your cash or vendor trash? And we have brand new recommendations this week. Crofton, what would you like to tell our listeners to spend their money on or visit the dump for? I'm going to make a wreck this week. uh, And uh, I will tell you right now that... um, that this is again not video game related. I am playing multiple games at once, but as I said on the show, and this applies to everything, I want to finish it or, or really get a good sense of it before I recommend or do not recommend. So I just finished the first season of this podcast. Uh, it's called Serial, and for those of you who don't know, it is the number one podcast on iTunes, or pretty much was all of last year. So if you haven't heard of it, you may not listen to podcasts, in which case I wonder how you found this show. Maybe you're a friend of the family, in which case you should listen to Serial. Uh, Serial is interesting to me because it's a scripted podcast, um, and so there's no ums, there's no likes, there's no whatever. Uh, it's it's really it's really tight. And it's uh, it's an inv- it's a story told in multiple parts, and it's the investigation of a cold case. Mm-hmm. It is super addictive and interesting. Uh, and uh, there's I think there's twelve episodes. They're they're a varying length, but uh, I really feel it's something that a- anybody uh, could be interested in, and it really makes the bus ride just zoom by. Um, so uh, for all of you who like a good mystery serial, that's S E. R-I-A-L and not like the breakfast cereal uh, is the podcast for you. So check that out. It's free. Nice. Nice. Well, um, I've heard a lot about cereal. It's um, to the chagrin, I think, of people who do broadcasting professionally. When everyone loves cereal so much, people start writing articles in like HuffPo about how podcasting's back or podcasting is a thing because of cereal and everyone's like what are we chop liver we've been here this whole time it's not back but um it's it's interesting it's a very good program though that's not to diminish the fact that it is quality it's a different thing and like i've never listened to but i probably will it's a spinoff of this american life or whatever and um i think it's of that style but the what is interesting to me is I had never listened to a scripted podcast before, and um, I see the benefits. I see the benefits, and it's released much more like a TV show, like one episode a week, but they've planned them out and this sort of thing. And so it unfolds um, not unlike, I guess, somewhere like like what I would imagine old radio shows uh, used to. But honestly, it would capture my imagination so much, I would be trying to do other things because I normally listen to podcasts and like do grocery shopping and stuff. But I would find that I would just be like standing in front of the pasta aisle being like, <laughs> I, I, I got to pause this thing or I'm never going to buy my spaghetti. Um, so, uh, so it's it's really uh, yeah. yeah it's really good. I like picturing that. I've been there though with po- like in the store with a podcast on, not shopping uh, because I'm listening. 
Uh, all right, my recommendation this week is Battle Block Theater. Have you heard of? Well, you know this game. You've been over at my house playing it, Crofton. Honestly, it's a good wreck, Bo, and it's uh, by the Behemoth, right? Who made Castle Crashers? Yeah, so the Behemoth got a good rep as an indie studio, Castle Crashers, which I should recommend on this show too at some point. Um, but Battle Block Theater is a really fun game. Granted, I keep starting it, never getting the whole way um, through, but it is very fun. It's narrated. It has a very jokey style where nothing is too serious. You know, it's a game and the world... has that behemoth look, too. You know, Alien Hominid, Castle Crashers, all those things look kind of... It's got a very comic introduction and it's a very bizarre, almost macabre world that's very cute and and cuddly. Um, So there's a a lot of things that sort of you don't like opposites that juxtapose together create like an eerie but fun game and it's a platformer i mean in its purest form you it's like there's a bunch of cats in the audience and you perform a platformer level for the audience of cats by collecting gems and just run through the level and there's all kind there's you don't really die you get to respawn you're it's more of a racing thing where you have to like get through to a certain time and hit all the gems and, and get a score at the end of it but it's great fun and the best part about it is it's two-player co-op um, there's a that whole- is the best part. Honestly, I could almost like since I played it with you, like I always think about playing it with somebody else again. But like I, I couldn't play it, I don't think, by myself because I know how much fun it is co-op. There are literal mechanics that like are better with friends because literally you can help up your friends off ledges. You can toss them places to, you know, complete goals in the levels. And there's a level editor in this game. Uh, so you can play community levels as well. It's it's a fantastically envisioned game. I think it was recently on sale on Steam, so this is a bit late as a recommend for a sale. But uh, add it to your wish list and check that game out if you're looking for a great couch co-op thing. So you can, you know, um, I don't know. We did talk about this on the show, but before the show, I, Crofton was educating me that Netflix and chill meant to have sex um, so you might want to steam and chill like with your girlfriend, which might mean actually play this video game and just chill out on the couch. But maybe that means sex, too. I don't know. I, I, your relationship is your business, but it's a good couch co-op game. Uh, that was a weird aside that I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> it is a good couch co-op game. Maybe I'll play it with my wife. I just wanted to work the Netflix and chill conversation into the show because <laughs> I didn't um, know it meant sex. Is yeah, Bill for the Murray record, he didn't know it meant sex. It means sex. Don't don't use it but if didn't you don't Bill mean Murray sex. coin this? Anyways, I have to look into the history of this. But it means sex, apparently, so don't Netflix and chill with your aunt. That's true. Or your Unless uncle. you're not blood your relatives, parents. if you know what I'm saying. It's good that you um, pointed that out, because I might have sent a tweet out to that effect and been embarrassed. Me myself. and my mom are going to Netflix and chill tonight. Yes, and we watch Netflix together. I go over to her house and we'll check out you know, a show or something. Like, so if I tweeted that and then like said the code word for sex, man, I'd be so screwed. I'd be screwed for life. And I'd also have psychological problems. More than I already have. More than you already have, yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, before we move into the fan favorite section of this show, I'm just going to do a little bit of housekeeping, Bo. Um, yeah, I tried before... to set you up for a seg. So if you have psychological problems, or <laughs> why don't you? Let if you have know. psychological problems and can't get enough of this show, then please visit exmpodcast.com and reach us on Twitter at exmpod um, at exmpodcast. Follow us, please. Uh, facebook.com slash exmpodcast like us please 
expodcast at gmail.com. Send us anything you wanted to hear us talk about, your opinion and stuff. If we get mail, we will for sure answer it, read it live on the air, even if it's hate mail. If it's hate mail, I might put on some sort of accent when reading it to diffuse the tension, but still, we would read it. Twitch.tv slash expodcast is where we do the live stream for the show, generally Monday nights. Uh, and also, we have a sister podcast. It's a good, bad, or bullshit podcast where we review a random topic every week picked by, in the, by our uh, random topic generator. Bo and I are on the show as long as well as Mike Hodgins, um, who is not as good as us, but they're, you know, how can you be really? So, Bo and I are both individuals of an individual nature. Bo, if people want to reach you individually, how would they do that? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter at Bo Schwartz, where you'll find me tweeting all about the exclamation mark podcast, the good, bad, or bullshit podcast, and core, all the things that we do for uh, your ear holes. And you can follow me at Croft and Steers on Twitter as well. Um, so, now, housekeeping over. Before we have. One last segment, Bo. Before we move on, because I feel like this is a service, public service for you and for our listeners. Google He-Man Star Wars trailer. All right. It basically, to set this up, it's the music of the Force Awakens music to a fan-made He-Man trailer. Check it out. All right. Um, next, we're moving to a segment that we like to call what, Crofton? Master Game Theater. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Yeah. We need to have so, an audience applauding as part of that sound. I have to update it. So Master Game Theater, for those of you who don't know, is where we take a quote from a video game. We perform it as an outro to the show. And um, with all the talk about the Metal Gear Solid remake, we are doing a Metal Gear quote. And honestly, there are so many to pick. There is no game I can series I can think of that is chattier than Metal Gear with ridiculous quotes. So I was looking for a super ridiculous one. I found one thanks to Metal Gear Solid 4 Guns of the Patriots, sort of the apex of the craziness of the series. It's by Old Snake, not to be confused with Naked Snake, Solid Snake, Liquid Snake, or Venomous Snake. Is there a snake snake? <clears throat> I don't think so. <laughs> so, uh, Bo, do you want to do this one or do you want me to do it? Pretty much you just got to speak like an old man who smoked a lot of cigarettes. So, like this. Yeah, that's I pretty talk good. I like that. And that's the do- okay. I'll give it a okay. go. Unless you really right. want to do it, but I can No, I don't because I, uh, because I sound like a 12-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for me to get deep to that register. Right. So, you, you right. hit it. So, right. as Old Snake from Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots, I give you Bo Schwartz. The age of deterrence has become the age of control, all in the name of averting catastrophe from weapons of mass destruction. And he who controls the battlefield controls history. War has changed. When the battlefield is under total control, war becomes routine. <laughs> 